0: By 2011, musician, songwriter, composer, and noted record producer John Vanderslice was already known for collaborating a lot with lots of other musicians and indie luminaries, but somewhat counterintuitively also known for being extremely meticulous, though not difficult, in the studio, overdubbing parts over and over and messing with the EQ and exhibiting complete control, albeit not, again, in difficult or a challenging way. But then he decided to do something completely different which was to throw at least 50% or more of his usual control out the window and allowed Minna Choi to arrange all the orchestral parts of his purely acoustic vocal compositions and the Magic Magic Orchestra to play all the parts but the acoustic guitar and lead vocal. Good call, John! Today we discuss John Vanderslice and the Magic Magic Orchestra's 2011 collaborative album, White Wilderness. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, Nothing, Nothing Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What well, is two brothers, who are mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's Louder Than Sound. Welcome to another episode of Louder the Sound, a podcast where people like
1: music Listen to music, talk about the music, share people, share with other people who presumably like music. Don't know why you're listening. But don't like music.
0: Come on. If you don't you like, music, like music.
1: Probably go switch on over to something else right now. If
0: you're one in a thousand person that doesn't like it at all, like, you know, yeah, get out.
1: You know, I, can, I can take it or leave it. You yeah. know, probably this <laughs> isn't the place. We, you know, we respect your choice, but you're wrong. Just that you know, like, you're wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're hey, wrong. we're
1: uh, we're we're doing another thing here. I'm Charlie. Here with my brother Jake. Hello. And we're looking at our second episode on a new theme, the theme being one and onlys, or albums where you only own one album by that artist, and even though you really like it, you just, for whatever reason, have never gone off and explored the rest of their world or bought more albums by them. And uh, it's kind of a strange thing to think about, because there's definitely a bunch of these in my collection, you know, albums where I only own one by the artist and even though I'm not like not getting rid of it, and I don't like dislike it, I like it. I listen to it regularly. Just haven't ever gotten anything else by that. Yeah. Um, And so I want to share a couple others that I considered for this theme. And I found I don't know if you found this, Jake, when you mentioned several of yours last time. And yours mm-hmm. is different. Mm-hmm. Several of mine were like all time classics.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Owned by the album, and then and I, and I didn't want to choose any of these because like what do I have to add to some of these to the like, right. discussion? Mm-hmm. These? So the like, one of them was Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Yeah. What am I going to say about Are You Experienced? That's going to, like. <laughs> no. I, there's no point in me right. talking about that album. There's yeah. nothing to add to your, that album. You your know? personal
0: history with it is not interesting enough to warrant like, no. more discussion no. about it. Yeah. No. I agree. No. I agree.
1: That was one for me that I considered. Leonard Cohen's Songs of Leonard Cohen. Oh, uh, yeah. Another one. The
0: I Doors. Would have, I would have the Doors. The Doors. The Doors. I would have mm-hmm. two of Leonard Cohen's, and I would have, like, four of The Doors, but okay.
1: Okay. And the Cure disintegration, those are all ones. They're just too big of albums that right. I talked about too many times for me to add anything to them. I get that. A um, couple others that came much closer to doing was uh, Devo's first album, Q. Are we not men? A. We are Devo.
0: <laughs> are we not men? No. We are Devo.
1: We are Devo. Produced by Bright Eno, and uh, Cornelius's Phantasma, which is a Japanese like the he's usually called the Japanese Beck.
0: Oh, I didn't know. I don't know that person. No, it's a
1: great no. album. It's a great album.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Apparently not good enough to get any of his other well-regarded albums, but, you know, that one.
0: Wait, guess, hey, you I got it. Close,
1: that, was, that one I came <laughs> very close to, but of course I did Laurie Anderson so. But with all that in mind, Jake has chosen uh, John Vanderslice, and I have definitely heard his name, but I'm not familiar with any of his music until I listen to this album for now. So... I'm interested to hear what you have to say, because you already confirmed one of my theories in your cold open about how this album was made. So I'm interested to hear more about where we're at and learn about this. I purposely did not learn more. Now there were just questions burning holes into me, Jake. I mean, not...
0: Well, I hope you could sleep. I hope like you didn't... I, mean, you,
1: I haven't slept in weeks. I hope weeks. you didn't
0: ignore your family or become mean to them because yeah, of no, all these I'm burning questions. I'm
1: from uh, the Y, the YMCA, because yeah. kicked out. Yeah, you did, mm-hmm. because you yep. were
0: mm-hmm. such a jerk with all these burning questions burning a hole in you, and you refused to look them <laughs> oh,
1: up. And I refused to look them up out of some misplaced principle. It ruined my life because awesome. I Okay,
0: um, and no. you think I can provide the answers that will put yeah, it back so together. so that we could
1: actually just... <laughs> bring my broke my shattered life back
0: together uh, well i mean no pressure maybe for me. I'll,
1: maybe i'll even be able to get my job back we'll see
0: no pressure for me on this podcast right now <laughs> all right well let me take a deep breath and here we go uh john vanderslice is a true indie pioneer hey um, good for him he's actually best known or respected at least as a full-time record producer um he's having having worked from his self-made all analog recording studio which he calls Tiny Telephone. There's actually two of them. There's one now. There's one in San Francisco, and there's one in Oakland. So these are destinations for... Tiny
1: Telephone. Tiny it's Telephone. A it's yeah. a cute little
0: one. It's very indie, um, but uh, it's kind of a destination for a lot of the world's uh, finest indie acts. He's uh, produced records directly by Death Cab for Cutie, Slater Kinney, Oakerville River, Deerhoof, The Mountain Goats, The Magnetic Fields, Tunyards, Spoon... I think he was directly involved with Gaga Gaga Gaga, which I like that album. Um, Granddaddy and Strand of Oaks. Dang, yeah. I like a lot of those bands. Totally, totally. Um, he was originally in a band called MK Ultra, which I had vaguely heard of and was pretty well critiqued, especially their last album in 1999 called "The Dream Is Over." I listened to a little bit of that and I I enjoyed it. It very much made me feel like I was listening to a uh, an indie record from the late '90s, which that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I, I love yeah, that yeah. Hey. Uh, His solo career, which started pretty much right after 99, has been marked by meticulous analog arrangements that include electronics, synths, and generally fuzzy acoustic guitar strums, Um, and all of it is heavily overdubbed. They're very, very meticulous arrangements. Um, He seemed to get a lot of pub from a lot of influential rags and online critics, including Pitchfork and Entertainment Weekly and the like, although he has never broken through commercially like his peers and the bands that he produces. He's never had his Death Cab for Cutie moment, um, for instance. Um, His lyrics during this period uh, were timely, political, personal, perceptive, and he has been recognized as a, quote, master storyteller, which I'll say. Well, good for you. He tells a nice Nice, story. Nice work, John. Um, Then came White Wilderness, which we will be discussing in detail. Um, That was in 2011, which was a departure from his usual work for several reasons that we will also discuss later. Um, Since then, he has released several other albums and in between left his label Dead Oceans and successfully started his own label on Kickstarter. Um, I think he's like still within the top 10 of most funded Kickstarter music projects or something like that. He got like 80 grand or something in a couple days to start his own um, record label. And in news that will definitely interest you, Charlie... Yes, he, he released in 2013 a full album cover of David Bowie's Diamond Dogs. You know, Dogs. I saw that somewhere. Yeah. I haven't listened to it, but <laughs> well, I didn't it, hear about that
1: somewhere
0: it might either. it might interest you more than you think, just because he uses the original album as a backbone to experiment and improvise. Um, he alters the lyrics, song structures, chord progressions, and even the titles of many of the songs. I don't know how you feel about oh, that when okay. artists do that. So it's not just well, a straight. I don't know if,
1: if you're going to do a full album cover. Don't just like try to do the same thing. We already have that, you know like if you're gonna try to be as you know fidelic as possible what's the point this album already exists yeah why would i need your album to sound just like the old album right doesn't. right
0: but if you take it you know
1: mess with that and try to do something new with it yeah maybe you'll fail miserably but at least you tried if
0: it (laughs) i don't think he failed miserably although you know i don't know i don't know diamond dogs as well as you so it doesn't you know that that piece where you know the album so well that it would yeah. be interesting to hear it changed up. Um, does not really exist for me. Maybe but... made
1: uh, "Rock and Roll with Me" an actually good song.
0: Maybe That'd be cool. You could you could check it out. That hey. just
1: that just ruins the album for me. <laughs> <Ouch>. Not <laughs> the whole. Just just that one part of the album in which that song is playing.
0: Yeah. You know, there's uh, those turds in the punch bowls of albums are when you to...
1: rock and roll with me.
0: It just seems like through. you listen to it exclusively from the album because you know it <laughs> t- very well.
1: Uh huh. I just put that song on repeat and
0: punch I, uh... myself
1: in the face. <laughs> while listening
0: <laughs> to it. It's like a clockwork orange in there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and as a final totally boss nerd move for our man John Vanderslice, he now self-releases his recent albums on 200 gram vinyl, which is just... 200? That's bananas! That's almost like... <laughs> that's like... That would weigh like five pounds per record. That's thicker that is than a sandwich. Crazy. Come on. 180 is pushing it, but 200, baby. What?
1: What's even the point?
0: Uh, To be a nerd.
1: Because costs
0: $75. Chaz, you don't know. It's, and
1: it's as thick as a Subway sandwich.
0: You don't know how uh, Fidelitas <laughs> a, things get at it's 200 grams. It's, it's
1: a 78.
0: You put it on and you start hallucinating in stereo, okay? Um, he also makes very high quality music files of his self-release stuff, um, freely available online. So he just kind of, hey. he's a very like, he's got an aesthetic and uh, it's very authentic and uh, he sticks to it. Well, good for him. Um, he's also apparently very prescient about who will, you know, who will be who in the indie world throughout his career. Mm. Um, although he hasn't toured since 2014, when he had a really scary car accident on tour, um, he vowed never to tour again, which he has not. Um, he developed a knack for choosing up-and-coming acts to open for him through the years, um, including Sufjan Stevens, Oakerville River, The Tallest Man on Earth, and our friend Saint Vincent. Hey. So all those people opened for him not when they were kind of nascent, when they were up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the part where I'd have a long and potentially emotional personal story about the album that I've chosen, like I usually Uh do, um, but to everyone's relief, I don't have one of those, you know, (laughs) I, you know, I don't, I just, I, I read a review on probably on Pitchfork in 2011 and I was like, Hey, that sounds cool. Like I do probably 300 times a year, uh, you know, found it on spotify at the time uh, and i listened to it and i was like this is great so i just bought it for christmas that year and i've been listening to it ever since and that's pretty much the whole story yeah. um vanderslice has long checked many of my indie rock boxes and being semi-well-known i feel like i should have heard of him by now um, and gotten into him way before 2011. Um, he seems like the perfect storm for a devoted fandom from me um, but it never happened and oddly it didn't even happen after I fell pretty well in love with White Wilderness, the album we're talking about today, um, which he recorded with Mina Choi and the Magic Magic Orchestra. Um, it is enough of a departure from his usual work, though, um, which again, I'm not really sure why I don't love that as much. I I keep trying, and I'm just <laughs> like, I don't dislike it at all. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. interesting. You know, I like it. I like it, but I just don't like it nearly as much as this. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts, Chaz. I think you'll like it, but I'm sure if you'll love it. The only chart I've charge I've heard against it, and this is possibly from you, I can't remember who told me this, is that it sounds like Sufjan Stevens more than a little. Um, maybe it was my wife. I can't remember. Um, but then again It wasn't me. It you wasn't love me. You love Sufyan even if it was you, I do you, love Sufyan. Maybe that would be cool. Um, I'm almost sure that I highly recommended it to you at some point, which is kind of Probably. a badge it's kind of a badge of honor between the two of us. We don't <laughs> we don't like throw around albums to No. No, we don't. Yeah, when when we have a recommendation, it's like I think you're gonna love this, and I don't think I don't think that you picked me up on that, which is fine. It hurt my feelings, but it's fine.
1: Yeah, well,
0: uh, it's rock it on f- purpose. It's... <laughs> I bought a copy of the
1: album and I stomped it on the ground unlisted. Boy, that's I it to you and sent it to you. You don't
0: remember? Why would they come to our concert just to boo us? <laughs> um, this album is rock solid songwriting, interesting orchestral arrangements, and fairly emotional without being overwrought. So I'm hoping that you gave it a better chance now. That's part of the point of this whole podcast is that we make each other listen to things that we hope that they'll yeah. like at times. Um, and I would be interested to hear why or why not. So I think that you're going to give it Whew, tough, tough. I was vacillating between 1.5 and two. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty generous and happy today. So I'm going to give. i I think you're going to give it a 2.0. Uh, I'm ready for you to hurt my feelings once again. Okay. Go cool. ahead.
1: Uh, well. I'm not going to hurt your feelings today, Jake. Ooh, we that. I really like this one a lot.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: I'm going to say it's one of the best ones you've had me listen to on this show nice. so far. At episode 20. Yeah. Yeah. One of, the, <laughs> one of the, maybe the best one. Definitely one of the, I just think of El Elzebar is the other one. That,
0: like, yeah, that, I really was, that was hot. That was a hot one.
1: Um. So your cold open confirmed my suspicion. Because to me, it felt like two albums later on top of each other. It felt, okay. this was my whole theory, was that Vanderslice recorded a full album of tuneful a kind of wimpy acoustic guitar music. Okay. Handed it over to the Magic Magic Orchestra, who layered brass, kind of dissonant avant-garde piano and strings on top, and made it
0: magic. Okay, but they Un- did... Before unintended. You, before you go any further, they did record it together live over a course okay. of three days. But...
1: Okay, that he, I didn't know for sure.
0: He took care of all of the acoustic arrangements and okay. the songwriting, and the Magic Magic Orchestra, and in particular, Troy did all the orchestral arrangements. So he had nothing okay. to do with it.
1: Okay. And that was... I. I just got that feeling. It just felt like two different albums um and i was thinking of different albums like let it be is probably the one you most often think of where the album was recorded and then somebody else was brought in who basically just like did what they wanted with what was there um and i was thinking of uh, joanna newsom's ease in which she recorded a full just her and harp album and then handed over to van dyke parks who put over this uh yeah right the instrumentation on top and uh and like in the second one you know that was a choice of hers she chose to do that like the first one let it be that's such a complicated you know Story of whatever happened with all that whole mess, um, with the uh, full Spectre coming in, but that that was the feeling I got is it didn't it didn't feel like these songs were written to be the way that they ended up. Okay. But I like it, and I like the Magic Magic Orchestra part of it a lot more than I like the Jan, Van, John John VanderSlice. Like I said, it, it's tuneful. It's you know they're solid songs, but it's kind of weepy acoustic guitar music. Okay. But and it on its own would come. I, I wouldn't have gotten into it on its own, I don't think. It comes to... And I'm trying to think if there's a good... I don't know if I've got a good example. Um, this is totally unfair, but this is what I keep thinking of. It's somewhere in the, the neighborhood of... He's definitely better than that. But the neighborhood of, like, a Jack Johnson or a John Mayer Oh, or
0: oh, Chaz. I know, no. You told that's me you weren't going to hurt that, my feelings. If, that's,
1: not, that's not fair. It's not fair.
0: Listen, man. That's,
1: it's somewhere in that zone.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. I, you... You, the only part you're getting wrong is that he was not that type of musician ever. Like he always. Okay, and I didn't
1: know that. Again, I, I purposely tried. I heard I've heard his name before, but I yeah. didn't know any of the music. I no, do no. remember vaguely you recommending this to me. And I never got around to it. Apparently, it wasn't a situation. Um,
0: it wasn't a situation where he was like, you know, John Mayer that like hooked up with a rad orchestra. Like he always <laughs> did much fuller arrangements of his own work. But this time okay. he just happened right. to give the reins over. To okay. another or you know another another organization. So I'm not want, saying I want you of the to, quality of Nightmare. I'm not saying that
1: in the slightest. I want you to not in stop the slightest.
0: It. Stop it. But I
1: got some of those vibes, that general sound.
0: Oh, gross. From
1: the acoustic part of it. I'll, I'll
0: be right part back. Part I need to take a shower. I'll I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> dirty. Shut up. It's dirty.
1: But the Magimag orchestra over the top, like really that took it home, that really made it interesting to me. And like I said, they kind of like the piano coming in and the piano and the strings in particular, and that brass comes underneath. The um, it's it, it's a, like a baritone saxophone in particular it reminded me a little bit of a uh, phenomena
0: Yeah. Okay. Or
1: you know that bass like rather than a bass guitar they've got like right a baritone sax on a lot of their yeah songs and like, just a, and like an
0: like an oboe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's others
0: <laughs> for whatever there. reason.
1: But that's what you really get. You get that like that feels like the bass in it a lot of the times. Yeah. Good call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say my favorite tracks in it were Sea Salt, Convict Lake, and mm. Piano Lesson. Yes. There's the one totally acoustic uh, guitar song in the middle of it. I forget what the name of it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I like that uh, it's nice and short. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's no. not like 30 minutes long. I, I've come to appreciate a short album in Me my, too. In my Me old too. age, you know? Having come of age in the 90s when every album was Bloated. 65 minutes because yeah. you could fit it all on there and maybe That's you start a couple more songs to get it up to 70
0: because,
1: you know, it fit on there and like it all seemed like it was a value pack, like it was, you know. Going to Costco or Walmart or something and getting the bulk size because right. you know good. <laughs> and then uh, that's one of the things that I think has come nicely out of the uh, vinyl resurgence is things are being cut down more and right. you know if you're, if it's going to fit on one record then you gotta you gotta cut some of the, the stuff some of the you know less it's more wheat and less chaff you know what I'm saying
0: I hear you man <laughs> uh, all killer no filler
1: all killer no filler <laughs> or milk, yeah. more killer less filler anyway. So overall, I really like this one, and I actually
0: gave it Jake a two point five. Oh whoa! Oh, I'm so glad. I, I know.
1: I think that, I think that's the, the highest I've given. Yeah.
0: The nice. Oh good. So, all right.
1: Maybe, oh, I might have on uh, except maybe for uh, the Triples of Elmo soundtrack, which is the one that I was. Well,
0: but you to already liked that. I, re- I, I, already didn't, owned that, I didn't. I really I in it. no way introduced that to you at nope. all. So yeah, this is a uh, this is good. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, So for my part, um, I've said before that Vanderslice doesn't always quite appeal all the way to me. Um, Not because I think he's a wimp or he's Jack Johnson, Charlie.
1: (laughs) I was, I almost didn't say that because I knew your your reaction. Oh man. It wasn't quite like, I couldn't come up with a better parallel.
0: I'm outraged. I'm truly outraged. Um, Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. But if, uh, if Vanderslice's career was a scientific experiment and he were the control, and we were trying to prove why I love White Wilderness and could leave the rest behind. The main variable would be the Magic Magic Orchestra. Yeah. Um, and what a difference they make in unlocking the absolute most preferential situation for, for Vanderslice for me. Um, so as I said, he recorded this album in um, complete collaboration over three days with the Magic Magic Orchestra, and especially with its founder, Mina Choi. And if you want if you want to just hear um, a fun story you can you could look her up she's awesome Um, she's still working with the magic magic orchestra Um, she is now a really respected indian pop figure Um, she founded mmo in 2008 as a 26 year old and continues to be its main arranger conductor and organizer and the hook for the magic magic orchestra uh, besides doing really great work with hundreds of artists at this point is that they are a made to order orchestra i thought this is a really cool idea um, so if you're a musician who's got a few bucks to spend or has a recording yeah. budget or whatever, you, um, you go to them and you go to her and you say, well, this is what I'm kind of thinking. And you, um, you say, well, I'd, I'd like cellos or I'd like uh, piano or I'd like this or that. Um, and you have from one to 80 musicians available at your fingertips to record to you as well. As um, arrangement help, so they'll bring in an okay. arranger if you don't know what that is you know if you don't know how to arrange or whatever yeah, you yeah. got it in your head they'll come and work with you. Um, and on their website it says that two thirds of their clients to date have never worked with an orchestra before, so they're okay. kind of like a they're kind of like a both an entry level and a professional um, organization to help you have an orchestra in <laughs> your music. <laughs> uh, so they do records, they do live shows. With bands, you
1: know, bands that get bigger and like one of the members that they yeah. Oh, the band just like suddenly has to learn how to arrange stuff, you know, and arrange orchestras and things like that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like Johnny Greenwood and Radiohead. Totally, wow.
0: He's he's an outlier. He's awesome at that, in particular. Um, I think the songs on this record are rock solid and touch on a large palette of really personal and interesting subjects and experiences. Um, But the real heavy lifting is being done by the orchestra, um, and in particular, the truly sensitive arrangements. Um, Digging into my own preference for it, and ten years of listening to it fairly regularly, I think that part is what really speaks to me, as it seems like it speaks to you. Um, the orchestral arrangements are sensitive. Um, they have actual dynamics in them, which in uh-huh. even in indie music is just, they don't, you know, things aren't loud and quiet anymore. It's just always loud all the time. Um, so to have to, like, turn something up or have to hear, you know, listen carefully to a certain part uh-huh. is, um, I like that. Um The arrangements are interesting and thrilling at times, um, but ultimately in complete service of Vanderslice's songs, which of course is the point, but it's still surprising somehow, because in the 90s, um, alternative acts were trying to be taken seriously left and right by just slathering expensive and ultimately hollow sounding (laughs) string arrangements onto their otherwise whiny anthemic ballads. Maybe this is more what you were thinking of uh, when you were trying to think of how to describe...
1: Right, it it conjures up that. I'm not saying that that is him, but that's what it up in my brain is that yeah. type of stuff
0: yeah um and i actually blame our mutually beloved smashing pumpkins um with their song disarm from um, yeah. Siamese dream which was like and he used a lot of he You talk about a band that knew that knew about using loud and soft like the smashing
1: yeah. pumpkins knew how to use loud and soft they sure right?
0: did they also knew how to really tug on those heartstrings whether yeah uh, whether it was the, sincere or not bad, whether yeah. it was sincere or not like disarm um, and then again on uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, like Tonight Tonight is just like a string or, you know, phantasma.
1: It is totally a phantasma. Yeah. Um, the most phantasmic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there were examples before that as well, but then the floodgates opened. You know, then you have like Collective Soul had a hit with a bunch of strings. Yeah, on I mean, it. you think the of a like, dolls, Aerosmith
1: was doing something. Aerosmith.
0: Stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's like, if you wanted to be like,
1: <laughs> I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> And I I don't wanna wanna fall asleep. Asleep. Why do
0: we know that so well? It's bad. Well, is just and I don't so want to miss it. You know, if you if you wanted to make the particular music video where it was like black and white, and you the lead singer was just staring at the camera, singing, right, or like yeah, looking had, at the sea. Like,
1: a white button-down shirt with no yeah, undershirt, like totally. red buttons, and like and there's a wind flowing yes. around him. And at some and point, I'm they're down. they're sitting on Run a rock,
0: here. but then when the when when the when the um, chorus comes, they stand up off the rock and like they're well. just flapping. Well, Left and right,
1: with the sea crashing behind them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like you, if you wanted to make that video, which everyone did, you had to put some strings on your song. You had to. A,
1: not just some. You couldn't just like put like a couple no. fiddles on there. Oh
0: no! <laughs> no, this was not fiddle music.
1: You need like sixty pieces <laughs> at least. If you're gonna do this right.
0: Yeah, and I'm in no way comparing, um, you know, like the Guns and Roses to John <laughs> Van Der like Guns
1: and Roses to no, no. Yeah,
0: like November Rain. <laughs> this is not what I'm talking. I'm just saying that you know that. <laughs> The, um, the 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 uh, what the impetus to use strings on on indie and pop music was you know that's kind of what it be had had become, so I, I appreciate this a lot more. Um, those <laughs> those arrangements were filler to impart some false seriousness. While the MMO is a collaboration meant to directly serve the songs and not just to bolster bolster them, but to actually be the songs um on the opposite end i'm a huge fan of uh music collectives like the portland cello um, project um, who kind of make music like this at times um, but who also have a penchant uh for like cutesy stuff like let's orchestrate the super mario theme song you know and um and do that kind of thing and make it sound cool and everything but still Um, the mmo on the other hand maintain a real indie pop sensibility like they continue to have drums and acoustic guitars on it uh, while keeping the orchestral arrangements Including a healthy dose of horns, which we've talked, which you talked about, um, is the main sound in the backbone of the songs. So my favorite songs on White Wilderness are like sort of all of them. I don't think there's a real weak spot on here. There's no duds for me. Um, if I had to choose favorites, I'd go with the opener, Sea Salt, which is a mm-hmm. really real statement of intent. I love when yep. albums open and it's like, yeah, here's what you're in for, and it's probably the best song on the album or one of them, um, and they just they get it right out of the gate. Um, I also love Convict Lake, which is the second song, and that's the most indie sounding of them with the the ooh, oh, oos and all that stuff. Oh, And that was big at that time. Yeah, that was a little like, what was that reminding me of? Arcade Fire.
1: No, Arcade Fire, that was the what I was thinking of. Oh. Ah, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, whatever.
0: Well, thanks for you your know, contribution. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: I'm just gonna, like usual. I'm gonna forget it for now and shout it out in the middle of something.
0: Right. I'll be like I'll be like crying and finally telling my personal story, and you'll be like, it'll oh! <laughs> be
1: great. For the it's like Joanna Newsom. Oh! Start, starts with a D. <laughs> the
0: D, I think. Starts with mm. a D. Well, now we're getting somewhere. Picture the,
1: can picture the cover.
0: <laughs> cool, man. Whatever. <laughs> cover is like it's like a cd and it has some color on it and maybe a picture uh i also find that the song overcoat really effective about a turnkey kid uh, looking for parental affection and the song after it ends which is vanderslice's fantasy about burning down a live show space after he exits it not with the people inside but like he was, strugg- good, he was struggling he was struggling he was struggling with the with live shows and his in his part in that even before he had his car accident and then finally, Alameni Gap, which is just a very well-written and catchy song. And near the end of the album kind of gives... Uh, I love the great song at like the 7, 8, you know, track mark um, before you have to get into like closing the album. Uh-huh. So I... Well, do you have it, Ch- Ch- chess You're not listening no, to me, close. I can tell. I can tell you not. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no, interesting, man. Hey, interesting. Good point. Hey, you know, that's
1: a really good point.
0: You that's just a made great point. <laughs> I might agree and
1: might disagree.
0: Hard to say. I mean <laughs> Dang it,
1: I am boggling me who this band is. Alright, well
0: all right, we're almost done here. Then you can start screaming about it. Um I think I love this album, Chaz. I listen I I find truly too, I find nothing wrong with it and the listenability scale for me is very high. Um, which has been important for me in the last, you know, five or six years of my listening life, like I love albums that I feel like putting on. And they're, if they're really interesting and have a cool backstory, that's that's all for the better. Um, but it's not just an exercise or because I feel like I should, but because I love listening to it. I look at my shelf and I'm like, hey, let's listen to some White Wilderness today. Hey, uh, awesome. Even if I never get into John Vanderslice any more than this or any of the other Magic Magic Orchestra collaborations, White Wilderness will always hold a place on my shelf. I give it a 3.5 out of 5. And And... Well, I wasn't going to say it. I was going to let you, you know, extend the metaphor. It is in my heart, though. And I give it a 3.5 out of 5. Hey, nice. Love it. What are we doing next time?
1: Hey, next time we're kicking off a new theme. And that theme is unlikely collaborations ah, ha, ha, ha. So times when folks have come together that don't quite belong together, but they make an album anyway.
0: Sting and, and Shaggy, maybe,
1: maybe some. <laughs> <laughs> We've been joking a lot about the Sting and Shaggy collaborative album, which neither one of us has. I have not listened to a note of it. I'm going to assume you haven't either. I just want to tell um,
0: the I just want to tell the audience that um, right now at my local, semi-local Barnes and Noble. They have a ridiculously overpriced vinyl section. But Sting and Shaggy on Yellow Vinyl is right now 50% off uh, for 13 bucks. If it gets to 75% off, I'm buying it. Sting and Shaggy. Baby.
1: <laughs> Sending it to me, probably.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. You don't get it. Only me. You have to come here to listen to Sting and Shaggy on oh, Yellow man. Vinyl. Wow, <laughs> oh,
1: that's a long trip.
0: Yeah. Well, it's worth it.
1: Well, instead of that, we're doing. Uh, I, I'm going to be kicking things off next time with Elvis Costello and Bert Baccarat. Ah, oh, collaboration, painted for memory. Uh, and that should be a good, a good thing to talk about. I think. I think we'll have, I think we'll have some good stuff to talk about with that one,
0: Jake. Yeah, a nice shmarmy okay. time. We'll have a shmarmy time about it.
1: Well, it might get a little shmarmy. We'll hmm.
0: see.
1: <laughs> 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 and that's it from us at Louder Than Sound. See you next time.